0: Before the next episode of XJob Downloaded starts, I have a big favour to ask. If you've enjoyed any of our episodes so far, please can you click on the follow button on your platform. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon and YouTube. It costs nothing to follow, but makes a real difference to me as a podcast producer. Thank you. This interview is being tape recorded. My name is Paul Maleary and this is X Job Downloaded. And this evening I'm going to interview Laura Zimmerman. Now, Laura is a former member of the military and she now runs her own successful business where she carries out security work with a team of dogs. Um, good evening, Laura. Good evening. Laura, thanks for coming on here. I mean, we've had the pleasure of uh, working together but never actually meeting, so uh, this is quite unusual. But where did life begin for Laura? And what is Laura all about?
1: Oh, that's a deep question. Um, where did life begin? Well, I, as you say in your introduction there, I, um, I am ex-military, so um, back in 2006, um, I signed on to join the armed forces, the army, <clears throat> I uh, did my um, basic training as you do and became um, a tank transporter for the Royal Logistic Corps. A tank and... transporter,
0: <laughs> well, as, as, in, as in those big things that fire rounds from the front of them?
1: No, that that's the actual tanks. I drove the um, the HETs, the Oshkoshes. Yeah, that, I know. Um, but you you
0: you them. you carried those tanks around on the back of a truck.
1: Yeah, all sixty-two, if I remember rightly, ton of them.
0: Sixty-two <laughs> tons.
1: I mean, I think it was sixty-two off the top of my head, or sixty-five with it being the Remy up variant.
0: So is that a Chieftain, or what? What what model is that? That
1: would. Have um, well, we did, them, we did them all. So, but the, I think off the top, I mean, someone will correct me if I'm wrong. That was the weight of the um, Chally, the Challenger. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're quite heavy bits of kit.
0: Yeah, they are. So, right, so, let me take you back a bit then, Miss. So, you've, you've gone to school, and did you wake up one morning and say, Do you know what? I'm going to join the army and I'm going to transport tanks around?
1: Oh, no. How, so, how did that um, all happen? So I, uh, I always wanted to be a dog handler, no matter what, always. I grew up with Great Danes, Staffordshire Terriers, Bell Terriers, all sorts. Um, and my dad was in the military as well, and so was my dad's dad. And when I was in my much younger years, I used to go to the cadets. And, you know, family thought it might have been a phase, but I actually really enjoyed it. Um, then I went, went and did all my GCSEs, um, business studies, graphic design, um, all that sort of stuff. And went on to further education to sixth form and I left sixth form and then tasted civilian civvy street, as you would call it. And I worked in like the supermarkets, um, a vehicle rental company, and all that sort of good stuff. And originally started off down in Devon and um, then moved to Bristol uh, in a place called Chippin-Sobbery. And uh, one summer um, decided, right, well, if I wasn't going to do it, now I'd never do it. So went down to the Bristol Army Careers Office and signed on, basically.
0: <laughs> Was that your first option, though, being a, you know, going in the RLC...
1: So I passed I passed the um the tests to do um uh be in the veterinary corps. Um however I was li- I was I was quite young at the time and I um was living in a flat um above a little spa shop kind of thing and the uh landlord at the time wouldn't um extend the tenancy agreement for more than like 2 or 3 months. Right. So I was advised that if I joined in, because they had a big intake for spaces for it, I could join as RLC and then transfer um, to the trade I actually wanted to be whilst in basic training. Right. Which anybody who has heard that uh, before will know it's almost <laughs> a new an impossible task to do. Um, but naive little me went, right, no, come on, I'll give it a go. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I joined I joined in 2006, and after doing my basic training in right, which was the same uh, square that my my dad and my dad's dad passed out as, as uh, stream Guards and Household Cavalry, I Oh, think it fantastic. Was. Yeah, I then um, went to um, D-Cut, and that was a lot of fun. And then straight from D-Cut to Leckham Field. Um, where it was quite uh, apparent that I had uh, very good spatial awareness. So flew through during the uh, um, your C&E uh, heavy goods vehicle licence. Right. And then was back down to uh, – no, you're racking my brains here. then it was back down to um, uh, Deep Cup. And then um, I got pulled into the office one day and said, How would you like to be a tank transporter? It's, it's an a-, a tray, they called it at the time. And only so many um, people were selected to go. Yeah,
0: I should think they were. At,
1: at the time, I um, wanted to stay sort of UK based and um, was um, in an RM because the first posting would have been in Germany. So, sort of bit the bullet, and off I went to Germany, over in Fallenbostel, over to 16, 16 Tank Transporter Squadron.
0: Which then we had the Army of the Rhine, didn't we? The British Army of the Rhine. So,
1: when I when I tipped up in two thousand and seven, you had um, Iraq, and uh, then it was Afghanistan kicking off. Um, they they had a rotation. Uh, So four troops, uh, Poznan, Stettin and two others, um, Warsaw and, God, the fourth one fails me, um, Out in Germany. And we basically, all the troops did a rotation. So if one was training to go, then you'd had uh, one that was already out, one that was on uh, what they call portal, so rest R&R, and then you had rear party. Right. Which basically the domestic jobs in the area, supporting, um, like the so we were we were on the so so Fellingbostel was huge. Mm. So you didn't just have the RLC there and the tank transporters. We were very small in comparison. So you had a rotation of say four Scots over there. Um, we had these uh, fusiliers over there at one point. Loads of Remy um, guys and. <clears throat> um, and we used to do support, the exercises and all sorts. And just, they called it a drag. So you go on drag and you'd be going off to some sort of exercise area, picking up whatever tracked vehicles and then bringing them back, which could have taken us pretty much anywhere. So we've been to France. Um, then we came over to the UK and we did. Um, we travelled up and down the country. They, The guys have now... Um, left Germany and they're currently, I believe, in Bulford. Yes. So, yeah.
0: So or can, did work. Obviously. So can I ask you then? I'm just asking. I don't expect you to answer. But how many tanks are there in the British Army?
1: No idea.
0: <laughs> I don't know. That, I don't know how many there are. How long does it take to transport a sixty-ton tank? Say how long? How long to a hundred miles?
1: Well, the vehicles can only go if it's in the well, it's in the UK or you can only go fifty kilometres per hour.
0: Right. So
1: however long thirty miles you know.
0: thirty miles an hour in English money.
1: Yeah, so it's not very fast.
0: Wow. And and so and how would you get a tank to Iraq? How do they how would they send a challenger out to Iraq?
1: They'd probably go on the back of the the tank transporters and they'd be shipped over by sea. Or they'd go in the back of a uh, a plane
0: I can't imagine I mean I, imagine. Oh, oh, I don't know I mean
1: Yeah but a 62 ton oh Well it's a big old plane
0: yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I know But I mean Even so Did you You, you served overseas Didn't you Did you ever In Germany I In Germany Did you go on any of the Because I know that I've had friends That have been out to Medicine Hat Is it out in Canada Where they've done Out on the ranges And they've done live firing on the ranges there I haven't
1: I haven't done Canada <clears throat> nor did I do um, Iraq or Afghanistan. Right. Um, I was a bit of a tracksuit soldier at one point. So uh, I liked skiing. So I joined joined up and did some skiing and was, uh, used to go over to do a lot of adventure training in places like Bavaria. And then um, it got to the point where over the course of a few years, I mean, bearing in mind I still wanted to be a dog handler at this point. Yeah. Um, and I got trade traded um as they call it. Um and by the time that happened, um, it was even more difficult um to transfer over to the veterinary corps. Right. So I kind of just rolled with it. So I kind of managed to occupy myself with other things. However, I love tank transporting. You know, it's in it's in my heart, it's in my blood, you know, the guys I worked with lovely lads. Um, but it wasn't always my calling. If that makes sense. Yeah. But how, um
0: how many women were in the tank transporter regiment when you were in
1: I can count on one hand. One hand. For a long time there was only about three, four of us. Wow. And um, yeah, it's and this is this was one of my, my slight bugbears um, because for a long for the first year or so that I was there, um, the females that were already there were um, paired up into troops so that they could be sent out to the to places like Afghanistan or Iraq. So when I joined and found myself on many occasions being the only female. Doing all the training up there with the lads. Um, when it actually came down to the nitty gritty of actually going out, um, I was then told uh, numerous times, Oh, you'll be here for a rear party. Oh, you'll no. be here for a rear party. Why won't, why can't you take me out? Well, because the uh, accommodation you'd have to share with all the blokes and that sort of stuff. And I'm like, Well, I do that here. Yeah, but it's a bit different out there. And I'm like, mm. And it just, it became a bit of a, um, how do I put it, just became a little bit bugging. So,
0: um, yeah. Were they being overprotective or was it, was it just, um, I mean, it's, look, it's a male-dominated um, part of the army in years gone by. Mm-hmm. You know, the tank, tank drivers, bear in mind that tanks didn't come about until 1914-18 war. Why, why, I, I why do you think they, were... they did that?
1: Well, I think when I turned up, um, there were people's emotions at the time, because this was all kicking off, um, were quite um, delicate emotionally um, amongst the ranks anyway, because some of the guys didn't come back. Yeah. So, you know, whether or not, you know, there was an underlining feeling that if they'd taken another female out, then, you know... I don't know. I I can't speak for the 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 higher ranks. However, you know, I did my bit whilst I was there. I think it took maybe three or four years for to gain a level of respect from some of the guys. I mean, it was it wasn't until we were on an exercise and I had to solo or solo um pull a Fijian guy out of the uh, capola top of the the het. This was all under exercise, you know, blank fire mm. firing and all that sort of stuff, and I did it I mean, not a problem, I mean, yeah, he was a big lad, and I got him out, not a problem, and it wasn't until he then told the guys that actually I didn't help her she she did genuinely pull me out when I noticed there was a a bit of a shift in attitude, right, yeah which, which was which was nice, and then um we had a pt lesson one afternoon and i was up there with my my sergeants at the time having um just come back from an injury and after i had a a captain pull me up into the top corridor and say to me well you're doing so well how would you like to be have a little reward and go to cyprus and work with the un
0: fantastic oh oh." (laughs) (laughs) if i have to Oh, I <laughs> oh so I you, know, you 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 went to Cyprus?
1: I did. This was I think what twenty when did the, the tsunami hit on Christmas Day? It was oh. twenty ten, wasn't
0: it? Yeah, I think it was.
1: I was. Yeah. So I went out there and <clears throat> took uh presidential dignitaries around the buffer zone, which was quite interesting. Really? And then yeah, and I've also got um artwork that actually sits on the buffer zone with all the guys that were in our centre troop, and um, all our names are on the wall somewhere. And um, I was told that one day, if it all comes down, it will all go to the National War Museum. Oh,
0: which is quite quite nice. I'm going to take you back a little bit here, because, I mean, the Tank Regiment, as a child, we lived in Munster. So right, in there. <laughs> my dad's my dad was a military policeman, but our next door neighbour, a guy called Dave Broomfield, who went on to coach the Canadian bobsleigh team, um, he was a tankie and then he transferred to the Paris. So I've got a picture of me as a very small child, two, three, sitting on the front of a, ch- a tank. But it's not only tank regiment. That drive the tanks? Is it? There's you've got um, the Lancers and people like that. Do they all drive the same sort of tank? Or? So,
1: so I don't drive. I didn't drive the tanks. I drove the Oshkoshes, the vehicles that carry them, because the tracks only have. Um, I mean, I can't remember if I'm being. We're talking some years ago. I can't remember the distance, but to save the track track mileage. Because um, they tracks have pads on them, don't they? So to save, to save the track mileage on the on the um, vehicles, that's why we would then transport them on the the Auschwitz.
0: So, but were you, were you ever trained to to back the tank off? I mean, you wouldn't back it off because you can turn can you? turn the turret round, okay.
1: but um so we we didn't drive the tanks. we knew how to dispose of them if you know we were told well the emergency stuff was inside them. yep, however, when you're loading um one of them onto the back of a flatbed, you always have a driver, so then we would jump up onto the top of the back end of the trailer and um it can happen two ways, so you have um a guy driving it. Then you have a guy standing on the top of the trailer giving him left or right or forward signals. Yep. Um, however, if it was a if it was a vehicle if it was a tracked vehicle that didn't have a driver, then we'd get the winch winch ropes out, fire right. up the APU, and you have like a two. They're very loud. I bet they um, are. Yeah, uh, two winch uh, drums on your left and your right, and you have a load of levers. And you would basically, you'd lay your bed out with all your chains and and whatnot. Um, And you would, you'd have a guide rope that went uh, off the top of my head now. You've got to bear in mind, I haven't done this for like 15 years. Um, A guide rope that went under at the back. And then one, I think it was on either the left or the right at the front. And as you pull in one winch drum ahead of you, towards you the other one's got a bit of slack and it's it's a strange it's strange but it brings the it brings the track vehicle up onto the bed um it roll kind of rolls it on and you have full control and then when you've got to the point where if you can imagine if you can imagine the flatbed you have um the legs that that go down if that makes sense yeah at the back and then you've got like a, a bit of a degree angle where where the, the vehicle would then um pivot. Yep. So at that pivot at that pivot point you can either adjust left or right and then bring it forward and then it would come up at such a high angle and then you'd hold it. And then once once it's there, then there's a, it's not just one person doing it. You've got to bear in mind you I mean you can do it with two, but however, you, you normally have a whole team of you putting this thing on a bed. So everybody would know exactly what their jobs are and right. you have to do it safely because the person behind that winch drum with those controls literally has everybody's sort of life in their hands. Mm. You know, you, you the last thing you want is a vehicle with no handbrake on, weighing over 60, 60 tonnes, yeah. rolling off that bed and crushing one of your muckers. So, that, that would hurt. Um, it would. I mean, I've, we, 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 I've known guys who have left their, their rifles before now on the beds and it's rolled back and they've crushed their rifles.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, I remember that um, they were doing an exercise out in, in Canada and one of the guys decided to, to sleep underneath the, uh, underneath the vehicle, underneath the tank, and because it sunk in the mud and crushed him and I, I, oh yeah i mean that's horrendous when you're driving yeah. when you're driving the the lorry with the tank on the back i mean that must be such a buzz because everybody it's like it must be like driving a rolls royce convertible rolls royce or a harley davidson because everybody is looking at you when you if you're going on the public highway that must be the biggest buzz ever
1: as Well, i mean they're really interesting vehicles and they are a sight anyway um however you know as a as a female you know it's quite funny when you're really high up and you know you'd expect to see another guy driving his tesco lorry for example or a supermarket lorry and um double take and just go oh it's a, a it's a girl, it's a
0: girl driving that and <laughs> guess what, girl. she's she's got a 62 ton tank on the back. I a mean, I mean, it, 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 is, it is amazing, I always remember watching them come down from Harwich, but they'd come off a vessel at Harwich and they'd go on a convoy, I suppose back down to Salisbury or somewhere like that or wherever they were at the time and it was quite a sight as a kid to watch the army convoys, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a culture to the lad so it sort of meant a right. lot to me then. Um so let's move to to Cyprus. You you go to Cyprus and you're looking after dignitaries. Who were these presidents?
1: That wasn't as a tank transporter. No, no,
0: no, just, no. No. So, but, so, who were these dignitaries? They
1: were just presidential dignitaries that would come for meetings and I suppose just use it as their base. My, I didn't really um, take much notice of who they were, if I'm being honest. Right. My job was, was really um, to patrol up and down the, the buffer zone, and when, when these, these dignitaries would turn up and would want to know more about the area, then it would just give them a little bit of history um, of the base, really, that we knew of that specific area. So... But- but we they did they did do they do a um a rotation or they did do at the time. I mean, I believe it's all changed now. Um, I think it was either six, nine, or ten months or something. Please, I mean, I'll get slated if uh if I got some of these figures wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, not by um, me,
0: you wouldn't. Okay, so anybody, no, li- anyone no. listening, be kind.
1: Because, you know, you've got to bear in mind, you're talking, what, oh, God, I haven't done this, what, in, well, it's nearly 12, 15, I think it's 15 years, 10, 15 years. Right. Um. So, Um. yeah, uh, so a lot's happened. I mean, I can barely remember what happened yesterday, let alone <laughs>
0: 10 years ago. Um,
1: However, yeah, the, there used to be a rotation um with UN troops. Uh, so I was situated in what they called uh, centre troop, um, based out in Nicosia. And um it was it was I mean, there was there's three troops. I mean, you've got the one in the middle, one to the left, one to the right. So uh, we stayed in the um Ledger Palace Hotel and I mean you only have to Google it, you'll see it yourself. It was all shot out, you know. You still have like bullet holes all over the all place. Right. Um, yeah, and we, we had a couple of um, uh, engineers with us who quite quite cleverly they we, there was a swimming pool <laughs> a swimming pool in the in the the hotel which was based outside, and the you know us squadies you know on our downtime really wanted to jump in this pool. You know, height of summer, yep. very warm, um, but it was green. And they couldn't take the water out because the sides of the um, the, the sides would just collapse in on themselves. That's how um, how uh, dilapidated. What's the word? Dilapidated.
0: Dilapidated. Yes, I get it.
1: Yeah, that's the word? Yeah, and uh, that it was. However, to their wisdom, they managed to fix it. <laughs> did they? <laughs> so our downtime. Yeah, yeah, they did. You know that was. So we spent many many a time on our downtime in that pool. Fantastic. Um, you you would you know you would you'd get these little call call outs um, every so often, you know, where because it's either at the beginning or the end of your tour, um, the two sides would throw stones at each other. I mean, you've got to bear in mind that, um, you know, the the buffer zone can be as wide as a football field in some places. But then, as narrow as maybe like a meter and a half in others, wow, um yeah, it's and you've still got um you've still got like people's houses literally as they fled from their houses with their teacups and their dinner plates still set on their table from where they left all those years ago did it's, you um
0: did you ever get into sorry? the buffer did you ever get into the buffer zone did you ever cross into that area yeah I,
1: yeah, well, I had to patrol it all the time. You oh, could I see. You never stop. Um, yeah, you was. Yeah, so I, I managed to to see parts of that that country that people aren't allowed to see, which is lovely. And then um, halfway through, um, I took um, food up into the mountains because there's still people out there that um, still have to have food aid delivered to them. Um, really? And then, um, yeah, yeah. I think. I mean i can't remember now i think it was the turkish i want to say turkish side where they um yeah they go up into the mountains they deliver these great big blue crates with like fresh fruit and veg and supplies basically and then they still at the time i mean you're bearing in mind this is like 10 years ago so like i say it could have changed but um then we went out and did some mine clearing as well so we would. So you had the guys go out and clear the mines, and we just assist them with that.
0: And and because you have
1: a mixed bag, really,
0: you changed your your, your your beret at this point, haven't you? You're wearing a blue beret. Um, I am.
1: Yeah.
0: United Nations blue beret. So you're working for everybody, basically. That's the What other nations were out there w- with you at the time? Was it just? Um, you... I was
1: only with. British... Yeah, so I was only with the guys that um,
0: British forces,
1: British army guys. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, because I think they go, they get Aussies out there and French and all sorts that go and police that particular it's zone.
1: Quite funny. It's quite funny. I mean, we had a, we had a gig, it's a serious job, but, you know, it, it, it's still quite, at the time, it was still quite delicate out there. I mean, I had a, a, a the UN guys were not armed. The only thing that we are armed with is a radio and a ballistic vest. And in the evenings, you drive around in the, the white Hiluxes with, you know, you've got to remember to put your, your flag up. Um, but you have to be very, very careful out there when you're actually on the buffer zone because there are still air pockets along there that are disputed. Right. So, <clears throat> and it could be, uh, you know, the, the, the turning of a wheel. In 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 distance of what's disputed and what isn't, and I I remember going out there, and um, a friend of mine who I shared a room with as well, she, uh, she we stopped in an area just to do a quick pause, make sure everything was right, all right, and the next thing you know, we've got some soldier shouting and screaming at us. Dog barking at us, <laughs> all sorts, you know, and all we could do was like uh, talk our way out of it and just move on. So wow. you know, you just have to be really careful where you stop on that buffer zone because it's a disputed, disputed areas. Or in the day, being very careful not to go near any stray dogs.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet.
1: Which is funny,
0: yeah. I I I mean, now it's probably. Probably getting a lot of attention at the moment because of the things that happen in uh, in Israel and Palestine. Because obviously, if if we've got British nationals that get involved in any of that and they've got to be evacuated, the um, the Cypriot area, the Cyprus, the base there would be the launch yeah. pad, I suppose, to do that. And I would imagine that on a
1: clear day, you could see it. You could see it if you went down um, oh, really? to the coast. You can actually, on a very clear day, you can actually see see the the area. Um, yeah. How long were you in Cyprus? Um, oh, so we left. Oh, it was we were there for Christmas, um, so I think it was nine months. It was six or nine months. We were there for Christmas when the tsunami hit. There was oh. a tsunami in the country, and it was all plastered over the over the news just remember seeing on the news that this tsunami had hit somewhere and wiped everybody out. Mm. I can't remember, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, and I came home after that, leave the army, then rejoined the army um, and transferred from tank transport in um, to the um, MPGS.
0: So you you, re- I you rejoined?
1: Them. Yeah, so I, I went after that Cyprus, uh, after my stint in Cyprus, um i the there was talk about um sixteen tanks um uh, leaving Germany, so within a year they had left when i left um i signed off um did the whole um meet another soldier get married leave he stayed in for a while and had a baby at the time and you know it was the risk of being um having a, a young family and being split up into two different areas that something would have to give yeah so um so we made the decision that i would you know take leave so we did that and um we got posted down to um borden hampshire right you no know, because he was remy <laughs> and it went downhill very quickly Um, And I ended up leaving, we ended up leaving. My daughter, well, I had a young baby daughter. um, And uh, I moved back down to Devon, where I was originally from. I spent a couple of years just sort of, what would you say? Would you say licking your wounds, regrouping, you know, becoming a single parent and, you know, um, just finding my my way again. And I um, still kept in touch with the... um, the tank transporting community, some of the guys that I'd worked with and got on well with. And they they were doing a charity bike ride. And they actually stopped, I remember a few of them, stopped at my my little masonette that I was staying in. And um, they said, oh, why don't you join the MPGS, you know, if you miss it, um, because they have a better work-life balance. And uh, that's exactly what I did.
0: And the MPGS... Is- the MPGS is the Military Police Guard Service.
1: Uh, Provost Guard Service. Military yeah.
0: Provost Guard Service. And they—they they are a regiment in the army, or how does that work?
1: They are classed as regular army. However, um, they fall under the category of non-deployable. Right. So, which means that you're never going to. Um, Be called up for the likes of uh, uh, an operational tour. You sign a you sign a different type of contract. Off the top of my head, it was something like if you're needed anywhere else, then the most it'd be sort of twenty to thirty miles to the closest base that you are currently at most of the time. Right. So um, so I joined. I I joined um, in. I looked after the guys down in. Uh, what was it, Dartmouth, BRNC. Oh, okay. And and, which was great because I lived in Newton Abbot at the time. Uh, So it was, it wasn't too far, far to, to, to commute. And then, um, I still had this burning desire to still want to be a dog handler, And, um, I, to the point that even they didn't have, they used to have a dog, dog, um, working unit at BRNC. However, they've gone and disappeared now, uh, but they still had the old kennels. And, uh, I remember in my downtime when I was on a shift there, I'd do up the, do up the kennels in BRNC. Cause I used to take my own little dog with me, um, to work. Uh, yeah, only a pet dog. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I then then found out that uh, they had a working dog unit in Watersham in Ipswich. And I was like, great, can I go? (laughs) Can I go? Shall I, I, you know, take that plunge? So I did. And um, I think it was, I think we're looking at 26, I want to say 2016. We, me and my daughter, and my little Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, <laughs> we just, you know, packed our bags and off we went to Watersham. So and I've been here ever
0: since. <laughs> si- single mum, Laura, takes mm-hmm. her child, a-, a Cavalier King Charles, and then takes on another dog, a working dog?
1: No, no, so um, I I went to – so I got to Watersham and um, – I mean, I did meet a guy that, you know, quickly, did, quickly, you know, um, started, started and finished, or finished as quickly as it started. And um, I then met my partner, and um, I was a single parent, one child, one. It's you know, just doing the uh, the routine of four on, four off, you know, juggling childcare. At god-awful hours and um i wanted to do the dog handling at watersham and they they're nice guys they are nice guys i you know i sit here and i you know i won't you know run them down however dogs who walk around a camp patrolling aren't the sort of dogs really that would although they're still trained to do the same and they're still current to do the same there isn't the excitement, maybe might be the right word, yeah, as if you were going to do it on an operational tour. No, of course. So, I mean, love them to bits, but I kind of saw them as being glorified dog walkers, and really, nothing <laughs> was I will,
0: I will, I, edit, mean, I will edit some of this because you've got to work around, live around some of these people. No.
1: no 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 no, it's fine no it's absolutely fine I've I've said it to them as well you know um anyway so you know I wanted to do it and I again was faced with you're a single mum surely you can't work nights you know you're a woman a lot of misogyny if I'm being honest and I um I met my partner and we had our youngest, who is now, what, four. And it just got to the point where, you know, when somebody says, no, you can't do it, no, 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 no. And there isn't really, um, for me, I don't accept the word no. I don't accept the word you can't because I will. And I've already done it. Kind of, that's my attitude. Yes. And, um you know, and if I say I'm going to do something, I will endeavour to find a way of doing it. And I'd join the army. There's one thing off my bucket list that I've done. I wanted to be a dog handler, and if somebody's going to tell me no, then I'm just going to find another way around it. So I, <laughs> you know, I, I you know, I, I suppose that's a good female trait. Really, we know when to be stubborn.
0: <laughs> yes. But,
1: um, Yes, so I had my, my youngest. Um, she was born poorly, and this was just on the cusp of lockdown. Oh. Uh, I did some, did some research, and uh, you had to do your SIA licensing um, <clears throat> to even become a security guard. And then to um, I wanted to do everything properly by the book, so I went and did my NASD with a company in uh, Luton and cool. You'll never forget. You'll never forget the first ever working dog you've worked with ever. Lovely dog, Cara, her name was, she was an old, um, Mali, old Mali dog, but she was spot on and she, they'd retired her, but she was good enough to ha- train other people or train yeah. dog handlers. and, um, yeah, I just took to, I think I just took to it like a duck to water, really. I've just, the way I see it is I've changed my rifle for a dog because the rules of engagement and the orders or, you know, that you give are very similar to, um, to how you would speak to a dog or how you would, you know, how you would fire a weapon to how you would deploy a dog are very similar. Um, and that was really good transferable skills. Um, so I then came to be a dog handler, but I didn't have my own dog. Um, but I had the, the foundations there. So I went then to um, basically work the circuit as a security guard. And I came up with it. I came, got not so far from where I live actually, there was a company. And because we were on the cusp of uh, lockdown, um, he had he had pups, and I did not want one of his pups. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you, Paul, if you're of a certain age and you remember the canine movie um, with, is it James or Jim Belushi? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he had a yeah. German Shepherd. Yeah, German Shepherd um, called Jerry Lee. Now, I wanted a Jerry Lee. <laughs> naivety there um and because, and everybody you know even to, to this day you know I, if I turn up in my vehicle it's oh you've got a German shepherd in the back no 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 <laughs> so I I found this company and and he they seemed really keen that I've fresh out of the army and I'm keen to learn and they Talked me round in having one of these pups, uh, which was a Dutch Herder cross with a mallee. Wow! And, and um, I was a bit naive on being, you know, there was some, you know, a naive at the time, uh, and I agreed. However, it was a massive, massive learning curve. The equivalent of the breeds of dogs, I mean, you've got an Alsatian and then you've got a Dutch herd across with a Mali. It's the equivalent of uh, passing your driving test and instead of jumping into a one-litre Corsa, jumping into a Ferrari with this Mali cross Dutch herd or whatever.
0: Yep.
1: So she very hard by drive and then she hit her first season and it got to the point where, you know, uh, I wanted to tie her up to the fence that I got her from and walk away. If I'm being honest, oh, really? um, she was, she was, she is, she still is. But you know, I, I, you know, won't, won't give up easy. I will not give up easy, and I stuck with it. And unfortunately, the the guy that I got her from made all these promises. Yes, we'll help you train her. You know, get you through your NASDU because how, you know, you can have your NASDU certificate to say that you're competent to working with um, a working dog, but then you can also have a team certification, which basically is like a license for you to work with that dog and a third party has assessed that animal to, to prove that it is capable and it ain't just a dangerous dog that bites, kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, and that you're competent with it. So, and that was my aspirations. You know, I wanted to be team certificated under NASDU, um with a dog. And okay, I wanted a Jerry Lee. <clears throat> However, I got a, a Nala, which is my, my dog now. And she turned out to be a cracking dog. However, <laughs> I needed a lot of help, but I had to go and... Seek that help elsewhere from the person that I got her from. Right. And yeah, it it it, it cost me thousands actually. Really. And uh, yeah, I paid what four thousand pounds in the end. Um. To so I did all the the basic obedience, and by the time she was two, um, she, I sent her away, um, to to for four weeks just basically yeah, like an intense um uh what they call it protection work because I couldn't do that protection work on my own um I'm not going to teach that dog that it's okay to to potentially bite me so that's you know that's somebody else I'm not going gonna... <sighs> to, it's quite dangerous isn't it really oh yeah um, absolutely so um that's what I did and then I got her back um, spent a week or so with her re- rebuilding that bond with her and then we both went away again um, and we both got assessed and she passed. Wow. So, And she's, she's had my back a few times, Paul. She's, uh, I mean, I'm going to be biased, aren't I? But, I mean, she's, I'm so glad I've stuck with it because she's a phenomenal dog. I,
0: I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, have, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting her yet but I know that the people that you worked for, for us, um, are very, very impressed with her and the work that she's done. What, what does the future look like for Laura? I mean, this is a, the security world is murky and the, the dog world can be even murkier because they're not all Laura's out
1: there. No, so I, if I'm being honest, I never intended to set up my own security company. If I'm being brutally honest, however, you know, after working a, a, a few years in in around the circuit, I had people that I worked with because I would ask questions. I'm not afraid to uh, asking the the questions that might make somebody feel uncomfortable, because you know, it, 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 I probably sometimes don't have a filter. <laughs> um, but um, it got to the point where. I had other dog handlers and people that I worked with um, basically say to me, Look, you know, if you were to ever do this on your own, we would come with you. And it kind of went from there, if I'm being honest. Um, and I, what I learned through, so before I even went and looked for clients, Paul, I made sure my paperwork was in order first. You know, and all the experiences, um, that were, I would see as quite negative, such as, okay. Um, I there's companies out there that will, um, sub out a dog handler or a security guard and they won't do the basic background checks. Um, for me, that's a no, no,
0: sometimes
1: a security company, um, you know, we'll just pin drop somebody they've perhaps met off of Facebook, a location, tell them a key's under a rock and then get that person to go and look after that site. Having never been on that site before. Incredible. Now I've, and I've seen it, I've not done it, but I've, I've seen, I've seen that Paul and it just, it just occurred to me that, you know, things need to sort of change a little bit. And, what I have found is the way that I work is quite different to a lot of the security companies out there. Yes. So um, underpins, what underpins us is um, citation. So we have citation for our health and safety and um, our um, HR. And I won't have a guy or girl, be it a static guard or a dog handler, go onto a site having not been inducted onto that site first <clears throat> or having not had additional training. And the beauty of citation um, is that you, you can do awareness courses. Now, to do your SIA licence, you brought in the first aid and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, your first aid runs out after, you know, three years is it now four years Yep. so what you know people people the ones again with the transferable skills from the military they called it them i don't know if you know mats. so mats would be you do like your cbr um, cbrn or your um not cbrn that as well but um your first aid right um, yeah, yeah cpr so you'd learn that every sort of what once a month wouldn't you on your mats? To keep you current, and where citation comes in is that we can do that for our guys. Okay. okay. So, or uh, warning signs on a site, for example. If I'm going to have a guy on the site, I'm not just going to say it was a construction site, and there's a great big hole in the middle of this construction site, and you don't, you want the guys to know what those signs mean. Yes, you do. Walk around it and said, so You know, so health and safety um, is something that sort of underpins and fairness as well. And um, the guys that I'd like to think, I mean, I've only had, I've never had any negativity, um, as touch wood. Um, that my, the guys feel appreciated. You know, they feel like, you know, someone cares, you know, they do their they do their standard because the the classes the workers, whether or not you've got a dog with you or not, right? You know, so so your hourly check calls, for example, or I will just go and do a side visit and turn up on site and go, "You're right, guys. You know, you've got enough tea and coffee here," or um, even at Christmas, you know, they're all getting a Marks and Spencer's dinner,
0: right?
1: <laughs> for example, you know, you, work, you know, it's, they feel appreciated and um, they know. They know what shifts they're going to work a month in advance, you know, and it can be quite a quite a, a cutthroat industry, can't it? Oh, um, yeah. Security. Yeah, it can. Um, we don't. We tend to not do the whole let's sub something out and sub it out again and again and again. So um, everyone it, knows fifty pence you know.
0: fifty pence an hour. I don't they? Yeah, that I why don't, It's just
1: I, I, I can see the business side of it. However, you know, the guy on the ground is the one doing it. I great. You know, and I let my, I give my guys enough, enough rope, if I, you know, yeah. and they're adult off at the end of the day. Yeah. They should know the standards, the values and standards that we hold. And this is why we don't like to sub and sub and sub and sub because for the um, client that um, brings us in to secure their site in the first place, There needs to be continuity. It needs to be safe. Do do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, Um, no, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. No, I absolutely um, agree.
1: And to provide a good service and to be fair all round. I mean, it it just, it it baffles me. It just baffles me. And I perhaps sometimes should be a bit more hard-faced, but I just, that isn't part of my makeup pool. So, I this this company is growing um, through word of mouth, through our honest intentions and our ability to do what we say. That's on the tin.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're VAT registered. You're doing everything above board. You're paying your your staff yeah. the right money, and 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 yeah. everybody's happy happy because the unscrupulous. Um traders within within your industry, they're nicking yeah. monies left, right and centre off of out of people's pockets just to cut corners.
1: I don't believe in cutting corners. No, if I you're know you do don't. Something right,
0: Scare the life no out many, of me.
1: no matter how no matter how hard um something is, I'm a great believer in old sayings, Paul. Nothing worth doing is ever made easy.
0: That's very true. That's very true. You
1: know. But you've entered a male-dominant
0: role again, haven't you? I mean, you obviously like like a challenge. (laughs) You go from driving Um, tanks to to having a land land shark in your car. Well, uh, I suppose, uh, to be honest, I
1: suppose uh, perhaps it's all I know. Really, now, after what do they call it when you're working you know with the you're, like you you're institutionalized you're
0: institutionalized yeah
1: yeah, and you kind of i kind of know what I'm getting with the blokes if I know if you know what i mean you know they they will give as much as they get um and they know it <laughs> surely, but in a in a n not in a um a harsh manner. You know, it's, you treat people with respect, you're going to get a whole lot more back. Yeah, you are. And, that, you know, you, you don't, you, you know, I've had, and one of the guys that works for us, um, uh, he was promised the world, promised the world, and he gave a lot of loyalty to a company, and um, he never had, he never, got a, he never got the career progression that he wanted hence why he's now with me and LNC. Um because he can see he can see a future in it. You know, he gets treated with respect, you know, he gets asked and not told.
0: And there's a lot and, to be said for that.
1: You know, he gets asked whether or not, you know, he's available. Um, you know, if you just if you just start shouting, I mean, tonight, for example, the guy I'm talking about there, he's he's off tonight i've given him a a night off he wanted a night off um and i have no problems in rolling up my sleeves and as i speak to you now i've got two dogs in the back of the car sitting on the site that he normally looks after don't mind you see you know i will never expect the guys that work for us do anything that i wouldn't be prepared to do myself
0: no of course but that's that's leadership that's proper leadership you haven't sat somewhere and Typed an email and expected to everyone to have read it. Laura, I say this to everybody because this is a police thing. But have you got anything you'd like to add, alter, or correct in relation to what you've said this evening?
1: Uh, only that. Um, please don't don't batter me if I've got the weights of a chali too wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been <laughs> that,
1: that was a while.
0: It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you um, and I'm very grateful for your time and I look forward to catching up with you again soon and hopefully I'll get up into the wilds of Suffolk and uh, we can meet up for a brew. That'd
1: be lovely. Thank
0: you for having me. No, not my, my absolute pleasure.